0: As a marketing function, the one way to protect that seat at the table with sales is to get as close to the customer and listen to the customer. And this is where I will say we've done a fairly good job of that in terms of having the right research, having our NPS, having all those different data points feeding so that we can in real time, most times, listen to our customers.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Rob Levitt and you're listening to C-Suite Marketing, expert conversations on executive engagement. C-Suite Marketing is brought to you by our friends at Boardroom Insiders, a business intelligence platform that makes executive engagement easier than ever. Learn more at BoardroomInsiders.com. Learn more about this podcast at ITSMA.com. You'll find today's show notes, other episodes of C-suite marketing, and all sorts of other research and insight on executive engagement. And please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Now for today's show. Well, I'm thrilled to be here today with Aaron Rogers, head of marketing for the commercial banking business at HSBC in Canada. Erin, welcome to the podcast. Oh,
0: thanks for having me, Rob.
1: Yeah, no, really excited to uh, to talk today. And uh, we go back a little bit. We did some work together when you were at Ernst and Young. I'm going to pull yep. on that thread as we get into it. But awesome. but uh, want to start with your HSBC role and the business and. Just tell us generally why is working at the executive level, engaging with executives, so important, and why is it so hard for marketers?
0: Sure. You know, I mean, it's everything. I mean, at the end of the day, we are a relationship business. Uh, we, you know, the only pathway to growth in a commercial bank is through relationships. And often, as you're well aware, Rob, the tentacles of influence within some of these large commercial banking customers is. It's deep and broad and complex and difficult. And so relationships are the only way that this bank will grow. Um, And I would say, you know, on the challenges as a, a marketing function, you know, we're often at a bit of that arm's length. So what can be challenging is, you know, that arm's length, if we have closer proximity to the customer, that arm's length, it shrinks. But if we don't have that, then it's it's really difficult to get our relationship managers for for us. That's our sales force. That's our front line. That's how we grow. That's that's how our customers interact with us as a bank. If that if that group uh, is disengaged, then none of what we create gets to our customers, and that can be really really challenging. And and at the same time, it's interesting. I was I was actually thinking about this yesterday we often end up being this conduit too. So we, we end up, we have lots of different product design teams, solution teams. Um, We have that frontline relationship manager that we need to engage with. And in a large commercial bank like ours, as you can imagine, they're all siloed, right? And in fact, the marketing function, you know, it is a challenge, but it's also where we become extremely valuable. Because it's it's my team connecting the product design to the relationship managers and bundling that together and actually making sure that they know what each other is doing. It's really funny that's come through uh, actually really more recently um, as we've moved through this pandemic. But so there's a challenge, but I also see that never before have we been more important. To keeping the business, almost the business strategy connected to what we're designing for customers and that what we are marketing is all, they're all talking to each other and we are off in that glue.
1: Right. And that's, I mean, even before the pandemic, commercial banking was in, you know, a, a, a mode of very rapid change with the rise of new technology and, and different kinds of markets and some curious that connection role that you talk about um i imagine that's been moving extremely quickly you know you talk about product development for example it's like you're rolling out new products all the time
0: you know what it's it has i mean that you know i think everybody has felt that agility the the fact that you know it used to take us three months to pull together a campaign uh you know talk to the customer make sure that the front line was enabled with that and and now all of that's just been shifted so 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 to a shortened planning cycle so i guess you know for me what's been a challenge a little bit is how we stay close to the business when the business is so distracted and when our customers are really right now trying to keep a lot of the lights on so you know i i I think for us as the marketing function, enabling those relationship managers. I can remember even in the fall, I went on a ride along, we call them ride along. So I, I, as the head of marketing, joined a couple of relationship managers and they took me to client sites. Um, they sort of really showed me what that relationship looks like. And I got to talk directly to customers. And I, I, I think about what the relationship managers are doing today to stay connected to their customers when, you know, look, it's turning the lights, keeping the lights on versus growth versus trade, like at least for the first period of time during this pandemic. So, you know, one of our key challenges right now in, and certainly what we've heard directly from the relationship managers that we interact with is you got to help us have meaningful conversations right now, because You know, it was one thing for a relationship manager to show up at a customer site, walk the distribution floor, uh, have drinks, go on a golf course, and all those things made this, I think, easier. Now, we're on these Zoom screens, like we are still in a situation where the relationship managers are not permitted to be on customer sites right now. Um, And so the problem is, how do you get the attention of a business owner who is, focused on saving his business or just trying to stabilize his business. And how do you find that wedge in when you're just on a screen? And I I think it's really difficult. And I have actually joined a few, what I would call virtual ride alongs even more recently. And you can see it's challenging. It's challenging for that relationship stickiness. Um, So once again, my job is to help that relationship manager have a reason to pick up the phone to be relevant right now and to not be tone deaf either on, you know, whether or not there's a trade opportunity that even amongst that, you know, the difficulty in our economy right now, they should have their eyes set on that future goal. That is really difficult right now, I think, for For our relationship managers to do and so that's what my team needs to do really well which Mm. is enable them to have those conversation starters and those programs whether they be event-based whether they're more campaign-based um in thought leadership development like we we have to produce so much more now than we had and we have to produce it so much quicker
1: so i want to dig in a little bit to your broader experience because You know, our audience and the the folks we work with at ITSMA, it's a lot of tech companies and the, uh, and broader B2B, but the agility, you know, has been an issue for a long time and getting to the C-suite has been really challenging. From your background, Aaron, you know, you spent a lot of years at EY, Ernst & Young, and now you're at HSBC. On the one hand, I think that it's easier to get to the executive level but at the same time, neither of those companies or sectors are known for moving really quickly. So I'm wondering if maybe draw out a little bit of some of the lessons you've learned over time about how do you best enable those conversations, support your relationship managers who often do have access to really have the right conversations and, and move the relationships along.
0: Sure. You know, it's funny when I first joined the bank, it, you know, it felt like I was going from the most radically different um, business environment than what i come from. And, and it's been funny since being there now about 15 months or so, I see so much similarity than I did when I first joined. Right. I mm. think, what I would say in terms of my overall experience at EY would be you'll recall I had, a, I had a different role in the sense that my role at HSBC is pure marketing. And my my role when I was at EY was more broad in terms of including that communications and that internal communications function. Because obviously the difference being in, in a professional services environment, you're really selling people, right? Right. In in the in the in the banking business, we're selling products and solutions uh, more than we are even selling people. And so the similarities though, I'll say it this way. If you do not have a sales culture, my job as the marketing. Anything is made so much more difficult. And, and I think that that's how I would, you know, sort of make the connection between the two, because I think, you know, a lot of the, the EY partners and senior managers, their client serving staff, I mean, it, gosh, they had so much on their plates, but they also, some of them were accountants. Not everyone was built as a salesperson. And so the challenge is you can't be the client liaison and not be a salesperson. Like It it doesn't work very well. And I'll tell you, we did have, like anyone else, we had a business development team that worked. We worked alongside at, at EY, but that team was often at that arm's length even. And so if the actual you know, client liaison wasn't built as a salesperson, then I often said to my team who would get frustrated, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force their neck down to drink. Like you just can't. And so we would create these amazing pieces of research and thought leadership and, you know, campaigns. And we would would set up these briefing, live briefings with our, you know, our partners and senior managers to make sure that they were comfortable delivering that conversation starter but the hand-holding that we had to do in marketing was incredible like it was before we even got to doing actual external marketing the work started so much so internally so that we had a sales force even if it wasn't a built sales culture at least that they had the comfort confidence and the information to be able to have those conversations and That is interesting. Again, I thought that was going to be a problem I left behind. It is absolutely (laughs) the same problem that we have in a commercial banking environment, because in both scenarios, they aren't necessarily built as sales cultures. They are relationship managers that are there to cultivate relationships for sure, but they may not necessarily be able to cross sell. Um, they have, I mean, good Lord, I, I went on that ride along. I see what these guys, girls are doing every day to service one customer. I mean, and they have broad books, they've broad books. So for us in marketing, what I have really brought is a bit of a rigor to my team is just remember that our work starts first with that relationship manager. We can't just push this out in LinkedIn because at the end of the day, our customers, their expectation is that the perspectives is in that person. And that's what makes this difficult is even in the digitization of the banking world, even with our, you know, a number of our our segments across our large, large book of Mm -hmm. commercial banking clients, at the end of the day, they all want a person. (laughs) Even Even if they've migrated to a more digital banking experience, They want someone they can pick up the phone to. And I think that that's where, to me, that's been our number one priority is making sure that we are listening to the relationship managers, that we're staying as close as we can to the customers through them. And we need to continue to do that to make sure that what we create can be used and can help drive results and help support the growth imperative.
1: No, so I, I, I feel your pain <laughs> for for whatever Many that's years. worth. But I really want to underline that because I think that so often in marketing, and especially maybe more in product-oriented companies or you know software companies that we also work with a lot, there is this sense of you do the external marketing. You create the content, you create the messaging, you create the external campaigns, and it's up to sales to go sell. Yeah, have fun. Um, so that, you know, there's a real difference, I think, between the professional services firms or even the bank where you have relationship managers who yeah. operate at a high level, but maybe their actual selling skills aren't quite as strong or even their orientation. Versus a lot of the product companies where it's all about sales, it's a heavy, heavy sales culture, but there's still, there's that disconnect with marketing where they feel like they the salespeople can do it themselves and they're really pushing the products and a little less maybe on the relationship side or the expert face of the company, as you were just saying, Aaron.
0: You know what, Rob, it's, it's such an interesting parallel too, because I think that the one way that... If you are in a tech industry, whether you're in in a banking industry, as a marketing function, the one way to protect that seat at the table with sales is to get as close to the customer and listen to the customer. And this is where I will say we've done a fairly good job of that in terms of having the right research, having our NPS, having all those different data points feeding so that we can in real time, most times listen to our customers, but I'll tell you, that has been really helpful for us because it is the only way I have found, in my experience, the challenges is the curation of what you're listening to. And- Because there's, so there's so
1: much data.
0: I mean, we all yeah. know that. It's, it's yeah. like, I just want a simple dashboard <laughs> that tells me what this sweet spot segment wants and how they behave. It, it's very, very difficult. We're all right. experiencing that, right? But I would say the way to get pushed off and pushed out as a marketing function is to distance yourself from the customer. The way to stay in is if you can counter every sales discussion with, well, actually, when we had our customer panel, here's what we're hearing directly. That is power. That is the only way marketing can really, I think, have a strong seat at that table.
1: No, I I could not agree more. And it's so ironic because you know, go back to Drucker or, you know, kind of the fundamentals of marketing, it's about being the voice of the customer to the business. Exactly. Exactly. And I think we do often lose sight of that. And the other thing I want to say, and because you touched on it with your ride-alongs, and then you just mentioned advisory boards, that qualitative, more nuanced listening and feel is just as important as the data.
0: You need both right? And I think that's the magic is, you know, we've had a lot of, I would say, more quants than we've had quals. And I think it's because of a number of different things. It costs a lot of money to do focus groups. It can be moment in time, which can be a bit skewed. And so, you know, when I look at the future for us, like one of the things I've been wanting to do is around having a panel. And and, and quite frankly, I give you huge credit for this, um, because, uh, you know, Rob, you've often talked about that advisory board. And in fact, as a judge um, for the wards, I got some privy to some amazing case studies and a couple of them really focused on those advisory boards. What we have yet to do is use that qualitative, whether it be a focus group that starts as a focus group, whether whatever it is, whether yeah. it's even just a proposition that we're designing. And so we have a moment in time to have live interviews with those customers who are targeting it's building loyalty. It's building relationships in the long-term. So how do you create that long-term panel and advisory board? And that is something that I definitely want to do in the future. Um, we have some great examples in our, in our actual business and in our Hong Kong business that have done that really quite well. So we are going to take those learnings.
1: Oh, great. Great. And I will say for our podcast listeners, some of the other episodes, we go deeper into those kind of advisory boards uh, and so on. So um Lots to learn there. All right, I'm gonna turn the tables. You're a CMO, you've been a CMO for years. You get marketed to all the time. You know, executive engagement, we're trying to reach CMOs. So I'm curious from your perspective as a recipient of marketing, what connects with you? What works? What do you, and what do you just tune out all together?
0: You know, it's funny when I was reading that question, Rob, I was giggling because honestly, nothing works with me. (laughs) I'm actually the best case if you want to, if you want to do some prospecting, try me because I am I'm hardcore, you know, I actually have a sales background from back, back, back in the day. When prospect research, and you and I, we've, we've dabbled in a little bit of this and yeah. we're at UI, was an art. And, you know, you never even picked up the phone to make a cold call until you have exhausted your knowledge of that business as much as you can with desktop research, wherever you can find it. I'll tell you, nothing works with me. I feel for those the, the, the podcast listeners. In fact, <laughs> I apologize to Demand Base right now because they are hounding me with beautiful, 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 offers and personalized emails. And the problem is for me, nine times out of 10, when I've said yes to a meeting, whether it's come through a cold call, come through a personalized campaign, whatever it is, nine times out of 10, they show up and they haven't done their research. So the the meeting ends up being me briefing them on my business. And, And I just have no patience for that. I'm a mom of three. I got a big job. I don't have time for that. And my time is very precious. And so as a result, I'm hardcore, Rob. I, you know, and the only way, the only way that I will take a meeting is if it's been a referral from someone I trust. So Rob, you know, if you had someone in your network that you thought could be helpful, a thousand percent, i take the meeting. So that's the only way you're going to reach me. Now, having said that, the funny part of this is, I was actually last night joking with my kids because Instagram is is there's there's a magic to the Instagram ads right now. I'll tell you, they are listening to my children's you know delivery dessert requests, and every five minutes I'm getting an ad, and it's for you know a beautiful mochi cake. It's like how did this how did this arrive? You know, so so there. I mean, look, they I will say that that stuff that targeting works in social in some ways. And I really appreciate the social channel as a result of that, that they are, they are scarily listening, but at the same time, they are targeting what I receive and I, and it's, it's not bugging me. But when it comes to, you know, what I would say in my, my day job, unless it's a referral, I don't go near it. And I think that if you're serious about wanting my business, you got to find someone who, who I trust. And if you are getting that meeting, let me tell you, that's your one opportunity. You'll never get it again.
1: Well, exactly, and I was just going to pick up on that, Erin, because a lot of times, whether it's a referral, and so, I mean, I so value your trust in me, for example, as a referrer, but that puts a tremendous burden on me. I need to be super careful about who I refer, and so there are a lot of people that, you know, may know that I know you and say, oh, you know, can you give me the good word? It's like, "Mm, I'm not so Sure. Yeah um but then I do want to continue because as you just said if you don't prove it in that meeting that you do actually get you know that's almost even worse Oh yeah and so a lot of times and and you may you know turning it back around to the bank you know a lot of people are going to take a meeting with HSBC Yeah right and so we yeah. work with a lot of brand name companies and so sometimes getting that first meeting is not brutally difficult yeah the second one though right Mm -hmm. don't don't show up and ask me to tell you about my business
0: you know what (laughs) i think it's just it's it's a professional courtesy too i i I think that they're where i came from and where i how i grew up in this industry not just because i'm a mom and i've got lots of things on the go and i'm a working professional but I am just, I've always reported to CEOs. So the idea of showing up to a meeting unprepared and not having done my homework and wasting time, like that has been drilled out of me a long time ago. So I put that lens on anyone who I've given that seat at the table to, you know, don't waste my time.
1: We'll be back after a very quick break. Enjoying the podcast? Want to learn more about C-suite marketing? Send us a comment and we'll add you to a drawing to win a copy of my colleague Bev Burgess's book, Executive Engagement Strategies, how to have conversations and develop relationships that build B2B business. Okay, now back to the show. Let's, um, let's sort of broaden out again. I'm curious, because you are you know in such an interesting position with the bank now, what are you seeing from the executives that you're trying to reach? what are the kinds of things that they're looking to you to the bank for in terms of new ideas, new approaches? you know is, is that really different than six months ago?
0: I think you know, sort of yes and no. I think that um, what we hear directly from our customers is twofold. They want a relationship, as I said earlier. They want they want a person at the bank they can pick up the phone to and get an instant answer. That doesn't matter if you are a turnover company of 500 mil plus, or you are a 5 mil plus. This is what they expect, which is a real challenge for us as a bank, yeah. right? Because it's the servicing of that. What I would also say is very, very, I think more heightened now is that ease of doing business with no matter what, if you are a treasurer, a CFO of a SME company, you don't have time to do your banking. Okay. So you don't have time to do your banking. You also aren't you're you're looking this far away from your nose at growth. And especially right now where we're all trying to figure out, okay, when is the time that trade will rebound? Um, I think it's, it's, it's finding that, that magic moment. And honestly, I think our relationship managers that's, that's back to the whole, when you have that conversation, how you have that conversation when, you know, the distractibility of our customers right now, because their businesses are in varying different situations. That relationship is so critical because as a business owner, you want to know that that one relationship is thinking about your business more than you are. And to me, maintaining that as an illusion or a reality is where marketing can help. Right. Again, it's what we can enable to have those meaningful, well-timed moments with their customers. And I will say that that is where it's been. I think that ease of doing business will always be there. But because we're now in a situation where branch access is limiting, digital is for us. We have an amazing digital platform. But, you know, depending on the level of sophistication of your organization, you may just want to keep showing up to that branch so it is really difficult for us to time those communications and those messages and those pieces of thought mm-hmm. leadership and the conversation starter so that they're not tone deaf but they're also right at that moment and i think what i've learned in this pandemic is as a team and certainly as a bank we can move quicker than we ever have we can pivot quicker than we ever have. And that confidence we have now, we'll get there. So when the market starts to reopen, Mm -hmm. we feel like recovery is in wave two is hopefully gone. I feel like we've built a more, a machine closer to that relationship manager so that they feel like we're listening to them. We can move quicker for them. If let's say, you know, we have a sustainable product like green loan that we are um, developing that we have in market, we can get those sales enablement materials and get that give that support in a much quicker way than we had ever done before. And so I think back to agility. You know, we've all been forced to go there. Your your IT providers have been there a hell of a lot longer than we have, so it's really forced our hand, but in a very good way.
1: No, that's fabulous, and I love your your comment about moments in time because mm-hmm. we talk so much about personalization and that's kind of the what (laughs) you know what should we be talking about let's make sure we do our homework can we personalize whether it's content or meeting design or whatever it is but the when is just as important
0: so important right now you know in fact this is what has really changed and I think it's changed for the better is you know we used to do these annual plans remember those Rob
1: like
0: (laughs) oh my gosh like Are you kidding me? Like, and it's so funny. I, I, I have been, I have never been a fan of annual plans ever. Like I I have felt like, you know, I don't want to admit this, but most times they, they just gain dust on a shelf after you've presented them to whoever you needed to signed off and then you go. What has been awesome about the past six months is, well, it's proven that an annual plan is sort of a waste of time because look what happened in this pandemic, like plans were, you know, bye-bye. And then I would say every two weeks we were doing various scenario plans. And that's where this has been so good for our team is we're constantly, we're continuing to do all of that scenario planning right now. And it's forced us to be closer to the customer, closer to the relationship manager, um, so that in real time, what we're hearing, so for example, we we do a webinar, and we see the majority of the client questions are in the area of, let's say, sustainability, let's say, and say, and very specific questions, then we can draw that out within a couple of days, wrap up some great content, and then retarget that out. That isn't something that we were doing. And, and we should have been doing it way before the pandemic right. but we weren't. and now that is become completely commonplace so you know the challenge with it is it can be frustrating because everything we do even from a brand campaign perspective we have to assume that we'll have to pivot that messaging pivot the timing so everything has to have one to three different scenarios before it goes to market that can be exhausting But at the same time, it gives you the confidence of options. You know, if there's a wave two, hell, I don't want to have a tone deaf campaign out there. So what have I pushed my agency to do? I've said, okay, I want two separate messages that we can easily swap. And it just, I think, honestly, it's made us be more strategic. It's made us, you know, be closer to the customer. And I think it has built confidence for us with the business that we can pivot and that we are thinking ahead as far as we can, which could be week to week
1: right now. Right. No, that's fabulous, and it's, it's funny you say that because we, uh, on a not on the podcast, but I've got a webcast we're doing on how do we even think about strategy and planning now after the earthquakes you know, that, we've, that we've been through. But so I'm curious, we've got just a couple of minutes left, the i love the the agility the pivoting the flexibility the scenario planning but you still need north stars right so how do you balance that strategic direction and especially strategic objectives with that flexibility on a more granular level
0: that's tough so to the first part of that, yeah. um, the North Star. I'm lucky in the sense that the North Star for us, we have beautiful alignment globally. So I have a wonderful global CMO who I take is she's my she's my North Star, and quite frankly, they do such a great job of making sure that the the four to five of our absolute priorities. And look, we can order those by region how we like but those haven't changed those won't change and those are 100% linked to the business and and luckily for me being in a global bank that's my north star what's important when you're pivoting and what's important when you're constantly scenario planning and shifting is that you have to have conversations with your local business about these changes right and back to your question around objectives that is really tough and, I, and I'm going to have a hard time answering it because in real time right now You know, we had a new to bank expectation this year that is, quite frankly, out of our hands, like, you know, that's been a bit shut down, right? You know, we had prospects and expectations for events, etc. We've had to, you know, really reshift all of that. So, for example, as we plan hospitality programs now that are virtual, maybe in future hybrid, at the end of the day, it's gonna be a bit of guesswork. And luckily, being within a network bank, right, I have my wonderful US colleagues, you know, in a similar market situation who may be, and even my some of my Mexico colleagues, they're a little bit ahead of me. So what I end up doing is I really reach out to my network to go, okay, number one, what's worked? What did you, what were the shift in KPIs for this? Did you get the engagement you expected? were there some surprises that came out of that? And I'm taking that learning and constantly adapting it. So, but to your point, I can't do that in isolation. I need my business stakeholders with me every step of the way. So if I'm gonna say, look, we're doing this brand campaign, we're gonna amplify it because at the end of the day, we were gonna do more of a transaction banking campaign and really try to build in a new to bank element. That's been shut down. Here's how I am redistributing that in this scenario. And, and if you don't have a seat at the table and you're not having those conversations with the business, then that's a risk. And so it's, it's,
1: yeah.
0: it's just having those conversations. It sounds not too that. simplistic, but it's the truth.
1: No, no, it makes a huge amount of sense. And I think also implicitly you're suggesting it's, the objectives are, are more strategic in the sense that, you know, over the longer run, we are trying to build and move our reputation in a certain way. We're trying to penetrate these markets in a certain way. We're trying to build these relationships in a certain way. So if, you know, we toss out event attendance as a key metric, fine. (laughs) Right. We need to, you know, keep aligned and everybody needs to know we're changing that. Yes. But that's a very tactical measure, not as important. True. Exactly. Okay. All right. Last question. I always like to try and end. I I think I like to do this (laughs) and on a positive note, what are looking ahead? What are you most excited about?
0: So two things I'm really excited about. I'm really excited about formalizing our listening with our customers. So I think that we've done a good job informally in any of our marketing program design. We have that element, but I don't think we've built it to a loyalty program like we haven't gotten to that point where it is longer term envision and, and I'm excited about that because I don't think we've done it before um, so it would be a first and I think it will surprise the business how much more insight we can provide in terms of what they are designing in their solutions and so I'm excited about that because I think we've already got a really good seat to the table but this is going to make us that much more valuable. Um, so that would be one. The, the other one for me, um, and this is, I think this might be sad to our listeners to hear is that I'm really excited about having a more automated sales lead gen tracking process. We, I mean, I think it is inevitable. I cannot, I hope to goodness, I am not the only one suffering with this. You're not, you're not. The pipes are completely not connected in our stack. And, and you know, I feel for the relationship managers whose job it is to constantly, you know, I mean, we hound them. It's ridiculous. Like my, I, I have a team that calls them for 18 months to track some of our leads. Like it's, it's so not, it's so antiquated. It's crazy. But, you know, I think we've got finally in the next 2021 year, we're going to have the pipes connected better. We're going to have an ability to, show uh, how our campaigns connect to revenue. And you know, as well as I do, that was always a challenge at EY. It's certainly a challenge at the bank, but certainly at, at the bank, there's better infrastructure and there's bucket loads of data, but it's the fact is I need to make this easier, both for my team and for the relationship manager for this to be tracked and being able to do better marketing is going to make everything better. So sadly, that's no, my no, no. second thing I'm excited
1: about. <laughs> you're, you're, you're still a little bit of a geek at heart, Aaron, right? I am. <laughs>
0: geek right here.
1: Oh, fabulous. Hey, Aaron, thank you so much. Really, really good conversation. Fun. I learned a lot.
0: Oh, well, I always learn from you, Rob, and I appreciate yeah. being asked, and this was like the most fun of my day, so thank you.
1: Ah, fantastic. Okay, we will talk soon. Thanks for listening to C-Suite Marketing. I hope you got at least a few new ideas. Let us know what you think and send along any questions or suggestions for upcoming episodes. And if you really enjoyed the show, do us a favor and tell two friends. Do us another favor and check out our sponsor, Boardroom Insiders, a business intelligence platform that makes executive engagement easier than ever. Boardroom Insiders helps you close bigger deals faster. Learn more at boardroominsiders.com. And don't forget to visit us at ITSMA.com for more on this podcast and more insight and inspiration on executive engagement, account-based marketing, thought leadership, and other B2B marketing priorities. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.